0: Blog Talk Radio. This is the day that the Lord has made I will rejoice and be glad in I have so much information I feel like I'm going to Spiritually overload Amen But I'm going to With the help of the Holy Spirit uh, Do my best to Give this information In Um High fashion, hallelujah, and as systematic as I possibly can. We are going to be talking about the theology of triumph. It is the core of our faith based on what we believe. And so we want to talk about the foundation of it, tracing prophetic passion. And I've kind of coined this uh, statement, hopefully by the conclusion, we can have confidence in the Lord Jesus when he says, I am the resurrection. I'm going to give a, um, a, a preface to um, some statements about the resurrection and the passion um, or the, the Holy Week that we have. And so I hope that through my commentary today, which is going to be a, try to be as systematic as possible, may not be, um, you'll get an appreciation of who Jesus is, And then in addition to that, you'll also get an appreciation for what he's done for us. Well, let's not delay. Let's get right into it. Let's see what the Lord has to say. We're going to be in Titus chapter 2 today. And um, I am going to give a little background before that to build myself to Titus chapter 2. But I want you to um, pray with me uh, and for me that we can go through this lesson. It's very important. That some things be set in place. And, and one of the things that you need to know is why you believe what you believe when it comes to the Lord Jesus and His pres- and, the, and the Father, the creator of heaven and earth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day. Knowing that this is the day that you have made, we rejoice and our glad Thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. I do dependent on the, a lean on the Holy Spirit, who is the educator and guide, giving me clear articulation and giving me clear speech to make boldly known the manifold wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. Father, in everything that shall be accomplished, everything that shall be revealed, you be glorified, for it is in the name of the Lord Jesus that we do praise you and give you glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burdens of my heart rolled away, it was there by faith. I received my sight. I wanted you to receive your sight. And now I'm happy all the day. The greatest life blessings will... That you will ever learn is the foundation of your faith every christian community 50 days prior to the celebration of the resurrection and 50 days um, leading to pentecost celebrate the stability of our belief in christ our savior and this is something that we must preach and teach i was so disheartened and disgusted at the insensitivity in the church world today and the narcissistic theology, and I'm going to take time to really teach on narcissism and how to eradicate it from your church. There's too much of idolatry going on, and even when we're supposed to be preaching, uh, you know, the, the the sayings on the cross, we we are uh, we have people taking that platform and that opportunity to preach about their thinking. And their ways. And you know, the reason why we do this on a yearly basis and we take 100 days or really 100 days to set up a priority for God is because that's a good chunk of the year for us to consecrate ourselves before the Lord. And I remember I told you, uh, not to date this teaching, but I am dating this teaching in 2019, that this is the theology of triumph that this is a year of triumph, and that God is going to take us through three seasons of life. Now, these three seasons are going to take place every, in, in, in throughout the continuum of time, and that's why I'm teaching eternal lessons uh, when it comes to or, or what we call sound doctrine, just the foundation this year, just going back over the perfecting process and just going back over the, the core of faith, like higher learning concerning the harvest, and higher learning concerning the kingdom, and, and transformative living, and transformative thinking, and transformative consecration, and transitional living, and transitional leading, and transitional changing—those those lessons that I'm going through throughout the year—is to help. Because, see, we talk about we have victory. The victory that overcomes the world, First John 5, 4, is our faith. And that faith has to be understood. And so trying as a trifold objective, really, to reteach faith, to reteach faith through uh, uh, reaffirming the foundation and then refocusing on Jesus. You see what I'm saying? Now the word triumph is interesting. Well, I'll get back into that in a second, but I wanted to I wanted to kind of lay that that groundwork, if you will, because you know I went to the um, sayings on the cross, and of course you know they're not the last words, and 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 you know what they are. Let me give them to you. You know, uh, uh, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he said unto them, I say unto thee today, thou will be with me in paradise. When when he said um, to uh, uh, when, when Jesus saw, therefore, his mother and disciples standing in the way, um, he said, um, uh, woman, behold thy son. Of course, uh, he said unto John, his disciple, um, whom he loved, um, behold, thy, um, behold thy mother, you know, that scripture. And then he says, um, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried aloud, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Um and uh then you have the uh what's the other one? Um I thirst. Then you have um the um scripture that says it is finished and of course into Father into thine hands I commend my spirit. And so so you have an account in Luke. You got two accounts or three accounts in Luke. You got three accounts in John and one account in Matthew to make the seven sayings on the cross. And what people do is, and they make this mistake: one, they they take the verses and then they, because they feel that people have said it over and over again, everything there's nothing new under the sun. So you're saying what somebody else has said. Hopefully, you're saying what God has said. And I was explaining to. The uh, people, because I talk to a lot of preachers, and they tell me every year, you know, how you know they, I got to see God's face. Or a lot of times, I didn't have enough time to prepare, and I say, well, you know, the problem is with a lot of preachers is we try to come up with a word without knowing the message, and and because we don't take a time to learn the big picture. When it comes to trying to give a, a, a fragment of that picture, we fail every time because there is not enough due diligence in seeking the face of God, not for what you say next, but for God's ultimate plan and how He wants you to convey His plan through your personality. And so you have people flopping, but there's got to be some stability. And, and there got to be some commonality and some common traits among us that identify that we are truly devoted to what Jesus preached and what Jesus taught on the earth. And that's why I'm teaching the theology of triumph. You got to trace what it means to to be to believe. There's some things that just should be a common among us. And my Lord. When, at, at, at any time, one of the most celebrated holidays throughout the year, two of them, Christmas, his birth, and resurrection, his death. Now, of course, you know the enemy inserted um, Easter in there, which is a form of Greek mythology and paganism. And where, you know, I told you about the Easter bunny is really a delusion. It's a sexual symbol. Bunnies don't lay eggs. And he wasn't talking about bunnies laying eggs. It was games and old rituals, sexual rituals, where women would paint themselves. Some of them would paint themselves with baby's blood and different colors and go into the field and allow men to rape them, do the research. There, there are, there's, it's paganism, so we say happy Easter to the people. It's, it's demonic, oh, bless his name. And so with that being said, we got to go back and reclaim the, the, the integrity behind our story of triumph, the victory, the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Our faith is at attack. Uh, Jews said it like this, contend for the faith. Do you get what I'm saying? And so really this is a faith class. Triumph is all about what faith is all about. And at the core of it, when you get Jesus messed up, everything else is messed up. Do you get what I'm saying? Let me take a sip of water. The enemy trying to attack my voice, but it ain't gonna happen. Hallelujah. Now, let's finish this layup of a foundation. The greatest lesson. These lessons are set to remind us throughout the year of the importance of living a consecrated life, which is being set apart distinctively different from the world. Our holy living is so important, where we transition, transform, and transfigure into the same image and likeness of Christ. You know, people just don't want to be like Jesus. And it's, it saddens me that in our churches, we still sing stuff like, there is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do you mean to tell me you've been living all this time and you ain't found nobody like Jesus you ain't found no one like the Lord the Bible says as he is so are we in this world you were made in his image and his likeness the Bible says be imitators of God as their children so God is endeavoring us to be like Him. the Bible tells us Jesus prayer in John 17 17 was make them one as we are one. In order, in order to come into fellowship with God, you've got to extract His thinking or His theology or His logic, the logic behind His thoughts. And that's what we're studying. That's why I called it the theology of triumph. Not to insert religion, religion hinges off of people trying to identify God's logic. And depending on how strong it is, we'll determine whether what they've extracted and what they've applied works. And that's why the scripture tells us, if ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed, and ye will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. In other words, the truth, the truth will always be contingent upon your ability to handle God's word as a disciplined person. And you have to be di- di- disciplined, which means you got to be devoted, dedicated, and distinctively different from the world. you got to be d- diligent about how you seek him. The Bible says he was resort, what is it, 633 Matthews? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you, prioritizing his righteousness and his kingdom or his methodology for establishing his workings with humanity. is learning the big picture. But if you preach it in shallow forms and don't, and, and don't provide a level of honesty and integrity, you will miss out on, on, on seeing the, the, the power of the church and the power that lies within the church, which is faith. Faith to function, faith to frame the world, faith to change the world. You hear what I'm saying? And so the reason why the seven last words often go into idolatry and narcissism, when we transfer, and yes, Jesus died for us. I'm not saying that, but we weren't the the priority. The priority was fulfilling God's plan. The priority was being in sync with his pleasure or pleasing God with his purpose being achieved because ultimately he performed for an audience of one so that we would learn how to perform for an audience of one. And that's why we look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's why we take a... Our our Concentration on Jesus But if you don't understand His cross and you focus On you and you make it about You and what he did for you You're going to miss out on the revelation Of the big picture That God had in mind That the Lamb was slain Before the foundation of the world That this was a rehearsal Or a a, a redoing of something That was already complete Before he ever created the heavens and the earth And even when the devil Father, he was working against God's plan, he was a part of God's plan so that the humanity could have a true picture of what it means to be one with God, of what it means to be raised to a new consciousness of living, of what it means to be in Christ, of what it means to be one with the Father, and what it means to have fellowship with him and his sufferings. What are we preaching today? Hallelujah. Because this is a rehearsal. That was a rehearsal. It was done before the world ever began, and it was done again so that we could have a pattern to know that we triumph in Christ. Hallelujah. So if he already did it before he manifested it on the earth, then did the whole story of his sayings change? They weren't his last sayings. They They were a repeat of what had already been proclaimed, and that's why we trace what he holds. We trace what he does. We trace what he does uh, through prophecy because what prophecy does is uh, prophecy teaches us the voice of God. You know, there are eight categories in the Bible. If you understand the Bible, you'll never get lost right it's, uh, it's, it''s law history poetry prophecy, gospel, history, letters, revelation. If you understand that those are the sections of the bible in which the Bible was written in category, and of course you know the categories have to be coded based on covenant, and covenant gives you the the, the two different laws or the two different sets of laws which help you uh, uh determine how to function in those in those categories. So when the when the, when the, when I told you the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world, real theology of triumph can go back and preach the cross through the Old Testament, from from the creation, of, from the account of creation of how God constructed humanity after His image and likeness, all the way to the fulfillment of the church, which is, is, is enthroned in power and in glory until He comes back for a new heaven and earth where there dwells righteousness. Oh glory to God! Now that's 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 the advanced teaching, and I'm not teaching the bishops class. But if I was, I would talk about the big picture. But here, here we 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 set to know theology for three reasons. One, to know number one, the mind of God. To know the mind of God. The Bible says, "Who who has the mind of God that they may instruct him." And then, of course, you know it talks about you know how how our sin and how our nature. Uh, is against and hostile to the mind of God. And then the resolve uh, Paul has when he's writing the church, and of course, you know, Paul dealt with schizophrenia, and he dealt with uh, the thorn or a spirit to attack his character because he had, had such a uh, a courageous conversion. They, they got upset. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Paul would go and preach in the church, and uh, of course, when he would leave the church or whatever he got wind of what was going on in the church, He would write a letter, and they would get so mad they would try to kill him. Or they would try to set him up and arrest him and have him beaten because he was preaching the gospel. So he had been through a lot, but now you know he had also persecuted the church. And because of that, you know, he often struggled with his teaching because he's like, I did all of this stuff, but Jesus did all this for me to cover it up. And so he had a revelation of what Jesus was doing for him. Glory to God. But sometimes he would struggle, but he he always comes to the result, we have the mind of Christ. And then one of the things that he said to the church of Philippi, right, he said that I might know him. That I might know him in the fellowship of his sufferings and be conformable to his death. But he, he goes on to say that I might know the power of his resurrection. Do you hear what I'm saying? Oh, my, 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 my. Why? Because he wanted to understand the mind of God, the mind of God. But then the other thing that theology teaches us is the methods of how God operates. I said the methods of how God operates. God is a covenant God. God has a methodology. That's why we get the Methodist Church, because they want to learn the methods behind God. That's why you have an order to service. Anyway, praise God. So. So and, and of course the redemptive scheme tells you that the, the uh the children of Israel or the of the, uh, the the creations account or the law or the order and how law or, or justice and order and ethics and, and government were created help teach us that in the law. And then the history provides how law transitioned into function through living when it had a government or a system of leadership to control the law. And so you have the history. Or the the stories, or his story, revealed in humanity, and then of course you know you got the poetry and poetry which gives you expression and artistic values. Of course the Psalms, Ecclesiastes, you know, and uh, Esther, those 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 different books help give you appreciation of the intent behind the content. But prophecy teaches us the voice of God to pay attention to what He says. And, and and here we go unto Jesus. We look unto Jesus, the author and, and finisher of our faith. And they're, they're, Oh, hallelujah, I don't want to go that fast. I'm to finish because I need to give you the third thing. That is to know the mind of God, to know the methods behind the operations of God, and, and then number three is to know the means of how to connect to his mind and his methods because your motive has to be pure. Blessed are the what? Pure in heart, for they shall see God. Y'all hear what I'm saying? I guess it's not going to be a, a baby step because we don't talk babies so long. We know how to teach adults. But some of us need to review our claims because when the when we when, when we don't have a, um, when we don't have a core solid foundation on on believing, the Bible says this. It said in, in Romans ten ten. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're saved. For so with the and it goes on and tells you the process of it. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. What is that saying? The process is you can't really exemplify salvation until your belief is intact, until your confession is intact. And it's, it's 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 settings like the the sayings of uh, the sayings on the cross, and uh, that really determine what you what you really believe. And if somehow you get, I'm getting out of my situation, you don't miss the point of the cross, because he didn't come for that. Oh Lord, have mercy. And and this is where we're missing it. And of course, there's a there's a lot of integrity. There's, there's a state of integrity that we must have Like I tell people all the time He could not have died on Friday night And got up Sunday morning And it'd be three days Let me say that one more time He could not have died on Friday night And got up on Sunday morning And it'd be three days And Lord let's not insert the Jewish calendar Which had 12 hour day system Versus 24 so that messes up the whole. See, we got to have integrity, and we need to learn about the Passover, which we understood in, in his calendar. The Passover was prior to him dying on the cross. So the whole, the whole, the whole timeline has to be corrected. And then uh, the connotation of 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 these being the last words that he said. Well, of course, you know, he revealed so. 40 days, but even prior to that, Jesus, just like I was saying, you can't look at. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going in my spirit and what I have on my outline because I do have outlines here. But like I like I said in the beginning, you got Luke's account three times, you got John's account three times, and you got one account or one verse that we take out of Matthew to make your seven statements. And it is finished, and into thy hands I commit my spirit. In, in 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 John's account and in Luke's account, can be argued that that's the same statement or said around the same time. So then it changes whether it was six statements or five statements, or or you, do you get what I'm saying? So you have to look at first. Anybody intelligent would tell the story of John's account, tell the story of Luke's account, and tell the story of Matthew's account. But then, of course, you know, you don't pick something. You pick something out of a text. You take a verse out of a text, you con the text, and you take it out of context. In other words, you took your passage out of context, or you manipulated the text that you took. Because you can't take a verse out of a chapter and a chapter out of a book and not read the entire book and get the overall picture of what the person is trying to say. So, why do you do that process in the Lord have mercy in the seven last sayings and you take three different accounts in scripture and don't even give the background or where the accounts came from? Then you have these preachers take these verses and come up with creative theology. Just whatever they, well, I mean, they change the title to fit what they place, what, what is placed on their heart. Oh, and this is what we must remember. And and that's where we go to Titus chapter 2. Oh, God, I only used 26 minutes, and we haven't even got to the meaning of the message. But I, I just want to, because I want to help preachers out. I want to help you know, some of you out that are confused, and this is why the, the world says y'all don't make sense because you don't know the word, and, and you don't know how to use the word to, to bring out one story. That's one message. The reason why we centralize on the Lord Jesus is because he's able to, 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 to bridge the gap between old and new, and we come up with one story. God loved the world, that he gave his son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so Jesus died so that we could have everlasting life. And to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Hallelujah. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? Bless his name. Now the Bible tells us, and this is where we come up with, uh, the theology of triumph, why we do what we do. He said, "But Titus chapter two, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. That the aged men, and I'm aged in the Holy Ghost, because I've been doing this for a long time, been preaching since I was a lad, a little kid, a little 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 kid. But the aged men be sold up. Gray. We ain't talking about um, free from alcohol. He's talking about having, uh, when he says sober, he means superior judgment. When he says grave, he's talking about intelligence. And he's talking, when he says temperance, characteristics that create sound in faith, sound in love, and sound in patience. And that, Lord knows that's what we have to be, especially when we have a lot of playing in the church. It's disgusting to go to churches and see that the generations that are coming up are not really learning the message behind the method and the mind of God. It is discouraging when you go up in a church and you're more interested in shouting and dancing and not finding out what is being said if it's truth and if it's aligned with the integrity of the scripture. It's discouraging when you go up in a church and you're supposed to hear more about Jesus and what he did and why he died and who he is and you go there and you go hear them glorifying his name. They're talking about giving God a praise for what He's going to do for him when we're supposed to be looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We're supposed to be thanking Jesus who always causes us to triumph. We're supposed to be glorifying the name of Jesus because at that name, every knee shall bow. At that name, every tongue shall confess. We're supposed to be glorifying him because what he said, if I be lifted up, from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. And then when we lose that, when we lose that reverence for who he is and what he's done and why we do what we do, we miss the overall experience for why we came. And that's what's happening in the church. This is why people don't want to go to church. We're so self-centered, we're so self-absorbed that we can't even preach the message of Jesus and bring people to Jesus. Now, how you got seven speakers and don't offer uh, and don't have a flood if they're all preaching about Jesus? If they're all preaching about Jesus, why are the altars filled? You know why they're not filled? Because they're not preaching about Jesus. They're preaching about what they think about Jesus. Do you get what I'm saying? Why are we giving glory to his name? See that, See, the reason why you don't see the supernatural in church is because we don't reverence. The Bible says, "The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So you want to see, if wisdom is being imparted, you want to see a reverence come in the sanctuary that brings glory and honor to his name. And see, this is why I know, because, you know, those who save they folks, they just go through the motions to get it done. And that's, we, we we sing, so forget about yourself and concentrate on him. But that don't happen at the church. I and mean, if it don't happen on seven last sayings on the cross, and we've got to talk about this. And this is why some of you preachers need to get under some real bishops and some real pastors to pastors and, and seek God. And first of all, so we can rebuke you, so we can, we can correct in righteousness those See, And that's a lot of reasons why we have a fail, failure in the, in the system of faith because we don't have people submitted to the authorities which God has established in his church to correct the faith. And so you you know you go to these churches who got pastors who are not submitted under leaders who can show them the truth and who can show them the way and they getting up there preaching telling you to follow them you the fool can't follow someone who's not submitted to the authorities which God has set up in His church and He set some in the church as it pleased Him that's what Ephesians four talks about. Do you know the mind of God? How can they reveal to you the mind of God if they're not consecrated before the Lord? Hallelujah. And preachers are up there preaching, playing church, irreverent, coming up there on the pulpit with jeans. How can I take you seriously? When I I got to stand up in the room, if Trump, Donald Trump, who talks about grabbing women's private parts, if he comes in the room I got to stand up and give him respect and he wouldn't dare come in there without a suit on and you come up on the pulpit talking about you calling from God with jeans and anyway, with jeans on. Oh bless his name. Casual before the Lord. Yep. Yep. I can't take you seriously. Because you have no regard for who you're representing. And I'm not saying God is in the clothes. I'm just talking about your attitude, to how you present. I'm not saying that you can't ever minister in jeans or that you can't even can't ever minister casual, but look at how you're presenting yourself. How can I take you seriously and you look like a joke? And I and you and I can give more respect to a white man in a suit that represents our country than you who come in with jeans and look at or or inappropriate clothing. and I'm coming for you ladies too who look sloppy and, 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 and sexual over the pulpit. How can I hear God from you? And I and I can't I can't even look past what you got on to hear what God said the Lord. And you want to claim you're a feminist, you want to claim you're a preacher and God can't tell you, don't take take off that makeup and lighten up a little bit. Wear some clothes that are not so tight on your behind so they can see Jesus and not your thighs. Hallelujah. Don't shoot me down. I'm not a prophet, Jenny. I didn't call no women preacher. I, you know, I want to call something out. Talk about, hey, get it together. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We all want in Christ, but how are we going to see Christ if all we see is your crack? It don't make no sense. And you guys wearing these little sixty five tight pants on a, over the pulpit and want me to hear Jesus. I can't even look at you because you look like the world. You just look like a sissy up there. Just, just, just look like, a, and that's what they're trying to do. Feminize you, wearing female jeans, you know, got on a blaze and tight jeans with holes in them, just sloppy. Don't look good. You ain't going to see somebody who got real money looking sloppy. And you're supposed to represent the king of kings and the lord of lords. You got holes in your jeans. I like holes in my jeans when I'm casual, going someplace casual. (laughs) You know, you gotta have proper displacement. But speak thou the thing, Titus. (laughs) See, see, they don't want us to speak on this. See, the church don't want you to talk about what these preachers are doing up there, coming up with all these lessons about themselves. You know, so they can display their spiritual talent. That's one of the things that you know. I appreciate now. I didn't appreciate when it was happening. You know, my grandfather giving me a, a, a lesson on pride and humility—real <laughs> humility. You know, when your your pride is so deflated that when you get up there, you don't have nothing but the spirit, because you know, ain't nobody trying to hear nothing but the Holy Ghost. <laughs> At the end of the day, we got to hear God over you. Okay. Okay, I gotta go. I gotta, I gotta continue. I gotta continue. I gotta continue. It's been a little bit, but I gotta give you some lessons, right? right? I told you the three parts of theology is so that you can know what the mind of God, the methods of God, is the means to obtain His mind and His message, right? All right. And then I gave you Titus chapter two, speak about the things which become sound doctrine. Let's jump to verse three. Age women likewise that they listen. The ladies that are also grave, sober, and temperate, sound of faith, and love, and impatient, are always likewise, just like the older men are supposed to teach, or they are supposed to be in behavior as becometh holiness, not as false accusers, not giving them much wine, teachers of good things. That they may teach the young women to be what? The same as their husbands sober, to love their husbands and to love their children, to be discreet chaste keepers of the home, good, this um obedient to their own husbands. Hello. That's another story. That the word of God may not be blasphemed. But what so all of this teaching and all of this doctrine is presented so that ultimately that God might not be blasphemed. You know what blaspheme is? Misrepresented by our conduct convictions and our character. When somebody blasphemes God, they're not representing him correctly. Young men likewise exhort to be sober what? Minded. In all things, showing a what? A good pattern. Didn't I tell you that the goal of theology is to teach the mind of God, the method of God? In all things, showing thyself being sober-minded, showing thyself a good pattern of what? Good works and what? Doctrine. You got to know what you believe and why you believe what you believe. Do you hear what I'm saying? Glory to God. Bless his holy name. It says, listen, uncorruptness, gravity, and what sincerity. Oh, if the church would learn to be sincere. Oh, what a difference. Oh, what a difference it would be. Oh, what a difference. Oh what a difference it will be. Hallelujah. Sincerity needs to be brought back to the body of Christ. Now listen, this this it says verse eight says, Sound in speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say. Of you. Now, how can you get there? That's sound doctrine. You need to understand the story of triumph. And then it goes on to say, uh, it goes on to exhort servants to be obedient to their own masters. It's talking about employee, employer relationships, and to please them well in all things, not showing again, not polluting, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the what? The doctrine of God. In other words, everything that you say and do should align with the doctrine of your faith. Did you hear what I said? Doctrine of God, our Savior in all things. Now let's go to the second part, verse 11. For the grace of God, That bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men. Why? Sound doctrine that's been communicated through your lifestyle. Do you hear what I'm saying? Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live. We should what? We should live. We should what? We should live. We should what? We should live. That's not a broken record. That's not a repeat of the recording. That's me saying, emphasizing, we should live soberly, uh huh, righteously, and godly in this present world. So we don't see there's none like you. We don't say we're so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. We don't say. We can search all over and can't find nobody We don't sing that We don't say that Because we're supposed to live godly In this present world Right? And it says what are we looking for? The blessed hope And the glorious appearing Of the great God Of of, of the great God Now here's where the theologians get I was so intrigued Because uh, one of the churches I visited yesterday at at the Good Friday, I was so intrigued to how they were going to teach um, because you had some people in there that don't believe Jesus only. And you had other people that believe Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And I was like, well, how do you preach the sayings on the cross and Jesus die legitimately? You get what I'm saying? <laughs> and he be God the Father. It just don't work. So so if you if you participating and you claim that Jesus only, then you definitely don't believe in the cross. You know, and then you got them preachers that are bold enough to say, when he, when he was praying, he was praying to himself. He was just rehearsing what was in his mind. So that's why when they pray, they don't tap in, because they think they're talking to themselves. Anyway, praise the Lord. But he said, "Listen, the grace appeared of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous unto good works." Now here he said, "These things speak." And this is what I'm doing And re- exhort This is what I'm doing And rebuke And Lord knows that's what I'm doing And the Bible tells me rebuke them sharply That they might be sound and faith. With all authority Let no man Despise thee Did y'all hear the word? Titus comes with this teaching In the New Testament to the church To teach them that the pattern Of stability to, to exemplify uh, what we know from God and godliness, ultimate godliness, is, is sticking to the sound doctrine, is sticking to God's thinking, which reveals God's mindset, his methods, and the means to maintain that mindset and methods. Did y'all get my point? The concentration is Jesus. Looking for him, that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all. Do you see what I'm saying? So, in other words, we have to we have to focus on Jesus. Lord, have mercy. We got to focus on what God is doing. Okay, let's 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 get into the meat. Hallelujah. With the main main theme being traced through the life of Jesus, we find passion and purpose. And, and Jesus uh, uh, gives us three things to, to focus on. The first one is, is the acknowledgement of his lordship, which confirms our loyalty to the faith that he gave us. And we read that in Romans 10.10. 10. And then the attributes of Christ, number two, that cannot be, that are undeniable, that confirms his claims behind the faith. And then the accomplishments, that's thirdly, of the finished works, which confirms our resolve to live by faith see if you don't take into account acknowledging the power of acknowledging him and locating his attributes and his accomplishments, you're not going to have confidence uh in 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 the the theology of triumph because the victory that we're talking about is faith the triumph triumph is a strong word for victory mm. Tri, triumph is really used. When, um, when such, as, such as large battles like captivity And, and, and really, I, I am going to do uh, if, if you ever heard this teaching on biblical equality I, I do a great deal of teaching And you really want to deal with Bringing somebody to equal status with you You have to, to, to really deal with those things That try to bring your thoughts captive Outside of the obedience of Christ, and so when when we talk about um, uh, when we talk about this theology, there's some things we must know in order to be affirmed in what we believe in our thinking, because see, this is supposed to be this is supposed to be sound doctrine. That dictates to us how we live, and the reason why people struggle with living for Jesus and living because they don't know Jesus. Point blank, they don't know what He did, why He did what He did, and and uh, they don't know who He is, why He did what He did, and and who was who was in the, in the workings of doing it. And if you don't have confidence in Jesus, Lord knows you ain't gonna have confidence in the Spirit which He sent. To lead us and guide us into the truth that we need to know. And this goes back to how we present the platform. So we want to we want to really look at what traces the pass the power behind the passion to try up. you all get what I'm saying? And this is where we, we got three points to, to go over. Uh, number one is the power of faith behind his claims Jesus claims some things Jesus identified Now, Jesus now listen to this before I get into that there' are some there's some things that you, that are, when a person is providing a platform and they're preaching and I'm, I, and I want to assert this because I want to help you preachers out I want to help a lot of preachers out. And we have schools for this, and we have conferences. And, and you just got to look into the ministry. I have teachers that I don't release, but only two preachers. And this is kind of one of those ones that I'm kind of letting out a little bit. But I, I'm not giving as much as I could give on these topics. I'm just kind of highlighting and moving on. But um, there are some in, intricate details to what I'm saying. And, and I know what I'm saying to the religious and to the traditional may be unconventional, but there's some there's some there's some methodology there's a method behind the madness of this preacher. Hallelujah! And so there's a platform that we have, and Titus is one of those things that help us to establish the platform. And then First John two twenty seven. Let's look at that right quick. Glory to God. That's why I like teaching. See, because if you walk it, you can talk it. And if you talk it, you can teach it. And if you can teach it, you can preach it. And I say that to my preachers when I'm teaching. On on um preaching, the art of preaching. There's an anointing with it, there's an academic requirement, and then there's a, a, a an anointing. Hallelujah. And that's what the scripture talks about. But you have an anointing which you have received, which abideth in you, that you need not one, not that any man teach you, but the same anointing that teaches you all things. He's talking about the Holy Spirit and the truth that and it is no lie, even as it has taught you, shall abide in you. Let's go down to this chapter and read this in context. Or I'll, you know, read this so we don't get out of context. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It says, "Listen, my little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not, and that if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he says, and he is a propitiation for the sin, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. Okay, so he's talking about Jesus, right now. And and uh, um, uh, where was I reading from twenty seven? Because that was at the top, and it says." Uh, let me go back. Sorry, my computer skipped. And let's read this chapter. Sorry, praise God. Technology, but I'm teaching, so it's all right. I got ten minutes. I got to hurry. Y'all know I just scratched the surface of this. I'll come back on it uh, next week and do two more sessions on this. Amen. And then we'll be we'll we'll, we'll let this serve as a foundation. So the now little children abide in Him. That when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. So in other words, we got to ascribe to his pattern. We got to ascribe to who he is, and we can only ascribe to the anointing. Okay. Now I'm I'm, I'm building a bridge to this, and let's go to one more scripture. 1 Corinthians 9.27. And let's scribe because I want to give you some scriptures to provide a foundation of what I'm going to give you. And then I'm going to give you the three things with context, okay? I like um, technological Bibles. (laughs) Because this is what we must do as preachers. I, yeah, let's read it in context in the King James Version. And of course, you know, this is the rites of the apostle of the apostolic teaching. And, um, know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye might what? obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered all things. Now he is talking about. Now they that do it to attain a corruptible crown, but we are incorruptible. I therefore so run not as uncertainly. So fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep my body and bringeth it unto subjection. Least that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So what is he saying? Listen, I'm not running this thing just to be playing it. I'm not getting up on no pulpit. I'm not preaching. Listen, I've been preaching for 30 years. I don't have no ambition in me to get the accolades of men at this point. I know too much about them. I can't live without them. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? It's not about people no more. It's not about the praises of men. The platform got to be, see, see, at the end of the day, one thing people are going to know about Levon Breeland is that he knows God. Do you hear what I'm saying? That I might know him. But I don't I don't beat at the air. There's not an uncertainty in my body. There's not even uncertainty of how I present my platform. I have three and five points. I have five sections, three points. You know what I'm saying? Because I looked at the words of Paul in the book when he talked about people speaking in unknown tongues without interpretation. And he said, I would rather you speak five intelligible words than to give an unknown tongue, and not have somebody interpret what is being said. And so I've used those five-point principles for the last 15 years. <laughs> and I have five points to govern my life. Anyway, anyway, but that's a whole other thing. You've got to have a pattern so that you can preach the principles. And that is what's going to make proof for your platform. And so your platform, when you preach, should, one, provoke people to study God's word, to study to know for themselves, Then it should promote, number two, the power of searching the Scriptures for themselves. Then it should, number three, preach Christ and him crucified. Then it should, number four, proclaim the acceptable year or the endless dispensation of grace and glory before the Lord. And then it should place a space for the Spirit of God to manifest and have preeminence or the rule to change anything that you have said. Do you hear what I'm saying? And when that's not done, your preaching is in vain. And what's happening in the church is the reason why theology is not, is not being properly communicated because they don't walk it, they can't talk it. And because they can't talk it, they can't teach it. And because they can't teach it, they can't preach it, and people can't live when they are they preaching. The Bible tells you that there's a certain level of revelation and knowledge that comes from a preacher. It says, how can they hear? without a preacher. And that's why he sets some in the church, not to teach, but to preach. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. And so in the tracing of theology, we learn the power of faith behind the claims. Why? Because we preach from his platform. Do you get what I'm saying? We also learn the prophecies he fulfilled on the cross and then the power of his resurrection. And that's what I want you to understand. From Jesus' birth, hallelujah, from Jesus' birth and from His ministry, and from His death and resurrection and his role of authority in the church, we have prophecies that go back from time to time, like the nations would be blessed through Abraham's lineage, Genesis 12:3. I will bless those that bless you. And whoever curses you will I curse you. And the fulfillment of it is in Acts 3, 25 26. And ye are heirs of the prophet and the covenant of God, which made with you a fathers, when he said, Abraham, Through your offspring, all peoples of the earth will be blessed, when he raised up his servants, and he sent him first to bless you and to and to bless you and to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Then he talks about how God, God's covenant was with Isaac. Do you know what I'm saying? And, of course, you can see that in Genesis 17, 29, and the fulfilled in Romans 9, 27, that the, that the, the nations would be blessed in Genesis 28:14 and fulfilled in Luke 3:34. The scepter of righteousness would come through Judah in Genesis 49, 10, and then be fulfilled in Luke 333 so he's all talking about Jesus then then the seed or the offspring that would have the eternal kingdom would come through the lineage of David in 2nd Samuel chapter 7 12 through 13 and be fulfilled in Matthew 1 through the lineage of Jesus and that the virgin birth would come and be called Emmanuel God with us Isaiah seven fourteen and be fulfilled in Luke one thirty five and that the Messiah will end up in Egypt in Hosea chapter eleven verse one and be fulfilled in Matthew chapter two verses fourteen through fifteen and then. Christ would be born in Bethlehem in Malachi chapter five verse two, and be fulfilled in Matthew two verses four through six, and that Christ's ministry would destroy the works of the devil, prophesied in Genesis three fifteen, and fulfilled in First John verse three and eight. And then it would say that Jesus would have a sinless and blameless free life. And you would see that in Exodus chapter 12, verse 5, and it fulfilled in Hebrews 9, verse 14. Then you would see that Jesus would be humble in order to serve mankind according to Psalms 8. Five and six, and be fulfilled in um, Hebrews chapter two, verses five through nine, and that Jesus would become the perfect sacrifice in Psalms chapter forty, verses six through eight, and be fulfilled in uh, Hebrews chapter ten, verses five through ten, and that Jesus would preach righteousness unto Israel in Psalms forty verse nine, and be fulfilled in Matthew four seventeen, and that Jesus would teach in parables according to Psalm 78, verses 1 and 2, and be fulfilled in Matthew 13, verses 34 through 35, and that Jesus' with um, prophecies and teachings would fall on death's ears, Isaiah 6, 9 through 10, and be fulfilled in Matthew 13 13 through 15, and that Jesus would be the storm that causes people to stumble. Isaiah 8, verse 14, and be fulfilled in verse Peter, verses 2. Seven eight, and that Jesus' ministry would begin in Galilee according to Isaiah verses 9, 1 through 2, and be fulfilled in Matthew 4, verses 12 through 17. And Jesus would draw Gentiles to himself according to Isaiah 11, verse 10, and then be fulfilled in John 12, verses 18 through 21. And that Jesus would have a miraculous ministry, glory to God, in Isaiah chapter 35, verses 5 through 6 and then be fulfilled in Matthew 11, verses 2 through 6. And then Jesus will be uh, uh, perceived by a forerunner, according to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 4, and then be fulfilled through the promise of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 1, um, verse 23. And that Jesus will be a a gentle redeemer to the Gentiles, according to Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 4. And then it be fulfilled in Matthew 12, verses 15 through 21, and that Jesus would be despised and rejected according to Isaiah 53, verse 3, and then be fulfilled in Luke 4, 28 through 29, and that Jesus will set the captives free according to Isaiah 61, verse 1, and then be fulfilled that the Spirit of the Lord was upon me in Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21, and that Jesus would have a throne that is everlasting according to Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, and be fulfilled in Luke chapter 1, verses 31 through 33, and that Jesus would bring the end to sin according to the prophecy of Daniel in 9 verse 24 and be fulfilled in... in um, in, in Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, and that Jesus would um, have Jerusalem rejoice as he comes upon a donkey, according to Zechariah 9, verse 9, and be fulfilled in Matthew 21, verses 8 through 10, and that Jesus would be betrayed by 30 pieces of silver in Zechariah in 11, verses 12 through 13, and be fulfilled in Matthew chapter 27, verses 6 through 10, and that Jesus Christ. Would be a forerunner of the spirit of Elijah, according to Malachi verses four, five and six, and be fulfilled in Matthew chapter eleven, verses ten through fifteen. And that prophecies about his death and resurrection would come to pass in verse y'all you know, get what I'm saying? But he would um would be the Passover Lamb according to Exodus chapter twelve verses twenty one and be fulfilled in First Corinthians five verse seven and like the Passover Lamb, none of Christ's bones would be broken according to Exodus twelve forty six, but be fulfilled in John chapter nineteen verses thirty one through thirty six, and that His blood would be spilled for atonement according to Leviticus seventeen verse eleven and be fulfilled that the that his, this is My blood in the covenant which was poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins of Matthew chapter 26 verse 28 and that Jesus would be lifted up and everyone who will see him will live according to numbers 21 verse not like the serpent and then be fulfilled in verse in John chapter 3 verses 14 through 26 did y'all get what I'm saying he said that he would uh, he was uh, there was a prophecy that about his resurrection in Job verses 19 23 through 27 and it would be fulfilled in John chapter 5, verses 24. They said he would be forsaken in Psalms 22, verse 1. And it would be fulfilled in Matthew 27, verse 46. He said he would be scorned in Psalms 22, verse 8. And then it would be fulfilled in Matthew 27, verses 42 through 43. It said he would be suffering, including thirsty, according to Psalms 22, verses 15. And it would be fulfilled in John 19, verse 28. And said it said he would be pierced in his hands and his feet, according to Psalms twenty two verse six, and it will be fulfilled in John verses nineteen through thirty-six through thirty-seven. It said he would be cast lots upon or sold like clover according to Psalms twenty-two, verse eighteen, and be fulfilled in John chapter nineteen, verses 23, 23 through twenty-four. It said that the that the Messiah would cry. Into your hands I commit my spirit, according to Psalm 31, verse 5, and be fulfilled in Luke chapter 23, verse 46. It said that everyone would abandon the Messiah in Psalm 31, verse 11, and they would plot out, um, and it would be fulfilled in in, in Mark chapter 14, verse 50. It said they would plot to kill God's anointed in Psalm 31, verse 13, and be fulfilled in Matthew 27, verse 1. The Messiah would be quiet before his accusers in Psalms 38 verses 12 through 13 and be fulfilled in Matthew 27 verses 12 through 9 God's anointed would not decay would not see decay according to Psalm 15 verses 9 through 11 and, and Acts chapter 2 it was fulfilled verse 31 and the, and Jesus would be abandoned by those who were closest to him was found in Psalms 41 verse 9 and be fulfilled in John 13 verse 18 and Jesus would Ascending to the heavens and distribute gifts according to Psalm sixty-eight verses eighteen, and be fulfilled in Ephesians chapter four, Glory to God verses seven through sixteen. And Christ's first would be quenched with vinegar and gall in in in, in um in uh, Psalm sixty-nine verse twenty-one, and then Matthew twenty-seven it would be fulfilled verse thirty-four, and that the resurrection he he would be prophesied that he would not die but live in Psalms one eighteen verses seventeen through 18, and be fulfilled in Luke 24, verses 5 through 7, that he would conquer death in Isaiah 25, 7 through 8, and it be fulfilled in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54, and that the Messiah or the Lord Jesus would be mocked and abused like he's being abused and mocked through our lifestyles and our faking and our not knowing who he is and not seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness as he did in Isaiah chapter 50, verses 3 through 6, and be fulfilled in Matthew 27, verses 27. 331. Did y'all get my point? (laughs) Hallelujah. Jesus came, and he didn't come just to be something for us, to be a scapegoat for us, but he came to fulfill God's plan. He came to fulfill God's plan so that we could learn the power of faith behind his claims. Jesus had seven things that he attributed himself to. He said he was the bread of life in John 6, 35. He said he was the light of the world in John eight two. He said that he was he was the gate in John ten nine. He said he was the good shepherd in John ten eleven. He said he was the way truth and the life in John fourteen six. He said he was the in John fifteen five. But in, in, hey hey hey! In, in John he also said in verse eleven through twenty five, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives believe in me and will never die. And the reason why we can discover that is because he fulfilled the prophecies which I just read, and he gave us power in his resurrection. And this is the theology of triumph. Oh, bless his name. I know I'm over time. But this is the theology of triumph. This declaration of being the resurrection of the life is absolutely essential to our belief because one, he was the first fruit of those who were fallen asleep, according to first Corinthians fifteen verse twenty. So I got to hear the word of the Lord. See, it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ that gives him supreme validation of his de- deity. It validates the Old Testament prophecies that were foretold of his suffering and resurrection. And you can also refer to Acts 17:2 2-3. Christ's resurrection also authenticated his own claims that he would be raised on the third day. Mark 8:31, Mark 9, um, 31. Mark 10:34. If Jesus is not resurrected, then we have no hope. And so ultimately, the resurrection is important because it proves that his sinless character and his divine nature, as the scriptures have said, is not only a holy one, but holy proof that gives us passion to live by faith and not by sight. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Hallelujah. I thank you for your word and the knowledge of the truth that makes us free. I pray today. And in my yelling and in my preaching and in my hooping, someone will see that thousands of years of history were all captured alive in a three-year ministry that was persistent about proving your mind and your methods, and giving us the means of how to obtain, obtain your mind and your methods. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that he finished the works so that we can know that we have a right to our redemption, that we have a right to be recompended, to receive recompense not only for our sins but for the sins that were committed toward us, that we only have reconciliation with people, but we also have a relationship with you. Because of what he finished on that cross. We thank you that Jesus became sin that we might be made righteous. That he became a curse that we might be made free and blessed. And that he became death that we might have abundant life. And for that we praise you and we give you glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Amen and amen.